Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. We are meaning-making machines. And the brand overlay with all of this is that you have to understand your brand story, communicate that story, because if you don't, the downside to us as a species being meaning-making machines is your customer, your public, will tell a story if you haven't supplied them with one. And if it's the wrong story, that's a missed opportunity. So making sure you know how to structure that is critical as well. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the Nice Podcast, all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from futureforth.com, where we retain, or we don't retain talent, we help you retain talent, and we improve culture and communication so you have happier, more connected teams. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Nick Westergaard. Nick is an author, educator, and speaker. He's spent his career building standout brands at organizations of all sizes, from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies to, uh, uh, you remember that President Obama? His jobs council? Yeah, that's Nick. <laughs> As a lecturer of the univer- at the University of Iowa's Tippy College of Business, he leads the Story Lab program. He's the author of the books Brand Now and Get Scrappy, a contributor to the Harvard Business Review, host of the popular On Brand podcast, a Moth Story Slam champion, something I definitely want to talk about, and a TEDx speaker coach. And He's an in-demand keynote speaker at conferences throughout the world, and his work helps those struggling to stand out in our crowded, distracted world. Nick, thanks for joining me on the show. Dave, I am thrilled to be here. So I always like to start these things with the same question, which is, what is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? The nicest thing someone has done for me? You know, (laughs) it's... I feel like this isn't that recent, but it's a big it's a big thing, so mm. it stands out. And uh, sometimes we can end up not giving up things that we need to to be able to focus. And what you mentioned in my bio, mm. uh, I have launched a new program at the Tippy College of Business called Story Lab. Mm-hmm. And uh, the leaders of the college were very interested in growing this in the year ahead, and they were very adamant about taking things off of my plate. And I'm one of those people that, I, you know, I, I, I like to do things, I like to stay busy, but the downside of that is that you can end up taking on too much and with a plate that was too full. And this was probably a, a month or two ago, but they pretty much said, no, if, if, if you're doing this, we want you to do that. So you're going to have to get rid of some things. And in hindsight, as I'm sitting here actually working on planning this, I, I realized that that was a, a great kindness that they did uh, for me that made me feel at the time like, well, what do you mean I can do everything? <laughs> 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they kind of cut away some stuff in order for you to focus on on the story yeah. lab. Is yeah, that right? exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. So tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit about the story lab because uh, you know obviously I've been following what you're doing online and and uh, was was a proud guest on your show uh, a, a number of months ago. Uh, tell me, tell me, or tell our listeners a little bit about Story Lab. Yeah, well, it's interesting because my career it, it sort of seems as as it's kind of a long and winding road. I started out working in digital marketing and then expanded into brand building, and then as I started teaching those things, I also uh, began teaching communication skills at the College of Business and was surprised because that was something that it was, hey, do you want to do this? And uh, at first I was like, oh, that's that's not branding and marketing, which is, which is what I do. And I did that and uh, I, I love that even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you help someone build an organizational brand, help them with their marketing, you're helping helping the, the organization perform better, optimize their performance, and, and that's great. But when you help them communicate with one another, it, it is such a personal connection, and it's it's really what I love doing most. And kind of a common denominator in that, there's lots of different ways that we communicate, but one of the foundational building blocks of that is telling your story, is the ability to craft, hone, shape, and ultimately share your story with others. And I say that's a foundational skill Hmm. because it's critical from everything of those first steps of getting a job to ultimately being able to build trust and lead others. So that's what our Story Lab program aims to do by teaching some of those, you know, a lot of times we wrap everything up and call it presentation skills. Hmm. But there's no slides, no, 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 no business topic of choice. This is an individual telling their personal story of how they overcame a challenge, how they got from point A to point B, a life ex- uh, changing experience, hmm. something that shares part of 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 who they are. So that's what we do in in Story Lab, and it's what I'm thrilled to get to work on more in, in the year ahead. What are the some of the challenges for folks kind of developing a story or even determining what that story should entail or what should be? Well, that's that's a really interesting question because sometimes one one kind of inadvertent danger of focusing on storytelling is the minute you put it under a microscope and start to observe it, you run the risk of making it more complex, of being harder on it, of bringing all sorts of baggage like it has to be. Uh, you know, a, a, a TED talk. It has to be the best motivational speech in a movie, mm. and it, it, it was really your own story. And the great thing about your story is that, however you decide to tell it, is is ultimately how it how it needs to be told. So you don't have to use any of those other benchmarks to it. So I think one accepting that. But then also, you know, a lot of the other communication challenges that we have of remembering that less is more, Mm. that, you know, it's those sharp edges of awkward times and awkward moments that we're so used to editing out when we edit our lives, kind of like we we curate the, the Instagram version of life. But the interesting part is what's in between all of that and being able to share that and 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 connect with others you know as a story starter uh, idea you know we look at lots of different places where stories start like when the routines interrupted when you say yes to something but there's other things that are interesting that happen when we say no to something when we decide not to do something and when we make mistakes and that's one of the scariest things to to talk about, but ultimately it can be in, in incredibly rewarding and can help you build trust, especially leaders build mm. trust with with their teams as well. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a big, uh, just that uh, vulnerability is such an important thing. I mean, I think of like uh, uh, Brene, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's work. Um, and, you know, she's, she definitely has, has inspired so many to, to kind of, uh, yeah, l- let their hair down a little bit. Right. And, and well, to, and to, yeah. and to bring all of themselves to, to work, you know, I heard her on, uh, Adam Grant's podcast recently, and it was one of those where you're walking around the house doing chores and listening to a podcast because that's, that's the kind of nerd that people like, uh, like, like you and I are. <laughs> and then you hear something smart and you're like, oh gosh, I've got to do something. So then you do the, the ultimate old manning and you like text it to yourself. Mm-hmm. But that happened when I was listening to her because she said, to your point about vulnerability, she said, who you are is how you lead. And I think that you have to understand who you are to be able to really grow as a leader as well. And you have to accept who you are as well. There's a lot of internal work that needs to be done. Yeah, it's very interesting that you mentioned that because I actually, I've just developed uh, a new keynote presentation that is much more, it's a little different than my usual stuff and it's more around motivational work but it's it's specifically about about knowing yourself accepting yourself and then finding your people it's kind of those three kind of core concepts within it and it's specifically uh about it's really for anyone but it's but it's about my own uh experiences and in being a late diagnosed person with adhd this is something very new to me uh and and something that happened recently pretty recently so it's uh it's an interesting thing tell me a little bit about like finding uh finding those or not just the, the story but maybe uh some ways that you help your students learn to to accept themselves and to and to find those stories. Yeah, well, I mentioned some of the story starter ideas. There's another great concept that I really love and it comes from uh, the book Story Worthy by Matthew Dix and he talks about this idea of when you're a storyteller, you have homework for life. And I, I love that because we, we, these stories happen all of the time. So you have to have some sort of system in place to be able to capture these, whether that's a, a notebook, whether that's a Google Doc, an Evernote, something online to be able to capture some of these interesting moments. You might not know exactly what to do with it, mm. but as you see some of these things and you might even connect a couple of ideas together... Uh, there's a few other ways to uh, to generate stories, and one, if you're thinking on a theme, you can think uh, of it in terms of, if you make some different columns, you can do first, last, best, worst. Mm. So, say you're talking about a car, you could take your first car, your last car, your best car, and your worst car, and maybe a couple of those are uh, are are some of the same cars in there as well but mm. it, just things like that help to get your ideas going and thinking about what you have kind of uh, in 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 the pantry that is your imagination yeah and i love that I, and i also love the 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 idea around jotting down you know, using an app or what have you to jot down those story ideas as they come. I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I've been dabbling with stand-up comedy as, as we've uh, talked about, uh, yeah. about offline. And, and certainly that's a, that's a core thing as a, for stand-up comics, you know, they're, they're constantly, uh, in their notes app, jotting down every idea under the sun as they come. Um, and traditionally, you know, it was the notepad or Seinfeld's, you know, yellow legal pads and, and, and things like that, where people jot, jot down ideas. I, I love that. I'm, I, 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 I use Evernote and things online, but I also, uh, my desk area is a sea of sticky notes. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, sticky note based ideation organization and, and, uh, and, and curation as well. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I remember Pam Slim, 
who's been a guest on this podcast, uh, did a video many years ago on YouTube on how to write a book. And, and it was like this simple idea, but it was such a cool idea of like writing out like a, a grid on a whiteboard and then um, uh, just going through ideas on paper and then transcribing those ideas to post-it notes and then sticking the post-it notes in the quadrant of those four quadrants on the whiteboard of what, of what will be on each section of the book. So you're basically like cutting the book into four, uh, let's say it's 12 chapters or so, right? And then you're putting, you're putting those sticky notes, those topics into each section. And that kind of gives you an overview of, of what, and then, and then she, she writes down like a timeline by months, like number of months to get each section done. Is that so, some, some of the process for you personally yeah. of writing your books? Uh, I, um, Actually, book-wise, I feel like I've been a little different mm. on the book front. I, in general, uh, sticky notes are good outlining. Uh, a weird thing about my my first two books, at least, is that they've come from very much from my my speaking work and talking with clients and uh, workshops, and a lot of that I feel like I have spoken first. And uh, I think this idea comes from uh, another mutual friend of ours, uh, Jay Bear, who talked about mm. recording keynotes and then transcribing and using that as kind of a, uh, a kickoff. And I never did that, but I have kind of uh, done basically a, a keynote for my iPhone and uh, kind of dictated uh, some of my things that I go back in and... Uh, and, and edit that as well, because I feel like when it comes to thinking, sometimes I am a, I'm better once it all gets out of my head, at least once first. And then it's interesting, because then it, I feel like that might be a point at which I might rearrange some of the ideas at a macro level uh, mm. using sticky notes. Yeah, and I love I love Jay's approach to that. That's, that's, that's great. I, yeah, I remember... Um Chris Penn uh, gave me an idea years ago of something similar where you write, you're writing the keynote, um, like you write it as a, as a story, basically, as a book or a short book, perhaps. And then, yeah, and then transcribing that. And I find part of what helps with that process as a speaker, too, is you, it helps you retain that information for the presentation itself. So because you've written it all out, it's really giving you time to, to think about it. Well, here's, you know, I just, uh, uh, this week, uh, we're recording this here in, uh, in, in, in early or mid-June here, and I had, uh, this is like uh, Nick and Dave talking about all the people they know, but uh, <laughs> Joe Polizzi on this week, yeah. and uh, he was talking about, I forget which one of his books, but he talked about the blog-to-book approach, and mm. I'd, this is going to make us sound old, but I, I'd forgotten about that approach, and I, that is not what I'd used. But now, you know, I feel like I had the first two books that I wrote, I had them in my mind, and I, I feel like it was it was not that hard to get them out. As I think about all these other things that we've been talking about and all the other different directions uh, that, that, that I've been working, as I think about something, I, I'm kind of at this... I, I hate to label it because that would make it real uh, of a stuck, <laughs> of a stuck stage of what to do because I I would like to write something else but is, book writing is a is is a lot of work it's hard work and I felt intrinsically like I knew how to do those first two and I, I'm I'm yeah I'm 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 stumped at at how to uh how, how to put this together and i was intrigued by that and I'm, i again kind of forgotten about that approach but yeah you know mapping that out and writing the blog posts i feel like that's something I, I i might be able to do yeah i had a hell of a time writing my book new business networking because um uh, I mean, I had like, it was published. And so I had a, a contract, a legal standing contract. Yeah. I had, I had dates to deliver the chapters and not to dwell too much on, on the ADHD here. Uh, I don't want to bore you with all of that, but, um, you know, I, I, I wrote that book 
with ADHD, not realizing I had ADHD. And so going through like the imposter syndrome and self-doubt and stress of, of all of that, plus the distractions of, you know, squirrel and not, not continuing, <laughs> continuing to write, um, man, it was a, it was a tough process. And of course I would reach out to other author friends, mutual friends and, and say, you know, just email them like, Oh my God, was, was it this hard for you? And everybody would say like, yes, yes, of course it's difficult. You're going to go through, you know, imposter syndrome and all the things. Um, but to tack on the, the, the ADHD, it was like, Oh my God, it's kind of a miracle. I actually even wrote the book. Um, <laughs> but, but to your blogging, uh, idea, um, I do, I do really like that idea. And I think, um, I did want to mention the, the movie, the Martian, um, obviously fiction, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that movie came from a book and the book was written in blog posts and, and the author, I forget his name off the top of Andy my head. Andy Weir. Andy Weir. Thank you. I remember hearing interviews with him about how he wrote the blog posts. Like he would say today, like as if like a diary, I guess. Uh, and he would write like today I'm adding, you know, soil to grow the potatoes and blah, blah, blah. And, and he would have comments from actual scientists and, and uh, <laughs> astronomers and, and, you know, folks from NASA would like leave him comments saying, no, 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 you couldn't do it that way. You'd have to do it this way. So he's getting his research then from it too. Yeah. So he's like building a community and getting the research and, and building a fan base. And ultimately, I mean, we, we all know. Uh, how that worked out uh, a rather great film so yeah, yeah amazing no i i that's i i'd forgotten about that too a great example of that so yeah yeah it's it's kind of just uh, you know there's all sorts of different tools and uh you know sometimes we all uh suffer from uh physician heal thyself and uh, <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> Yeah. I'll figure something out at some point, but I'm, I don't appear to be in a rush to do so. Right. Yeah. Actually, I, I remember talking to a couple of friends who, uh, who gave me the idea of, and it was a little painful to do this, but, but it was, uh, well, I haven't written a, a, a new book quite yet, but, um, where you, you take all of your blog posts, maybe you could start, if you're a nerd like us, you could use Google Analytics and see which ones are the most popular. But regardless, you could create a, a Google sheet or a spreadsheet and put all the titles of your blog posts, it could be hundreds, it was for me, in a sheet and then add the category or the topic of each one just quickly. And then um, from doing this, uh, and this is when it got, it got crazy. I took note cards, small note cards, and I wrote the titles of each blog post with the, like the initial of the category. And then I organized them on a, on a really long table, like a think of like a bar kind of table and, and put them all out. So I could then categorize them into piles to figure out like where my main topics are and to try to get a sense of like what I write about most and what, because a lot of times, uh, you know, to the blog posts ideas here, like the, your next book is often already written if you blog yeah. and, with any, or, you know, if you produce a newsletter or what have you. So, um, so I have these huge stacks of, of these cards that I went through this, this exercise on and, and uh, yeah, I've started and stopped here and there on, on kind of uh, figuring that, that part out, but I think it's a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you did you did uh, the moth story slam. Well, you're a champion now, which is sweet. Uh, tell me, t t tell folks about moth if they're not familiar. Sure. Um, you recommended their book to me when I was doing a workshop on storytelling, which was a huge, uh, a huge asset. So, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit. Tell us a little bit about moth and and what you did with story slam. My dad works in B two B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. 
LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Sure thing. Well, you, you know, I feel like uh, there's there's sort of the buzzword aspect of, of story and storytelling, especially in business. It's kind of everywhere. Mm. So you have to, you know, kind of sift through all the materials and figure out, you know, what's 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 the strongest. And yeah, the Moths book, How to Tell a Story, is great. And I really connected with their approach. Love their, you know, most of us uh, public radio listeners are connected with mm-hmm. with the Moth approach from the, the Moth Radio Hour and the uh, podcast uh, of the same name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these the, the definition is that it is a a true story told live in front of an audience. And they have these story slams in cities across the nation. And in starting this Story Lab program, which I was talking about earlier, I thought, okay, well, I should, you know, they're the kind of leaders. It's a global nonprofit dedicated to the to the art of storytelling. Mm. And I thought that this was an important input to gather, to be very academic about it. And so I, I decided I'm going to find one of these that's, that's close by. I'm in Iowa, so I, I found the one in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And as I was looking on it, at it, each of these, you know, it's, it's basically, uh, Dave, like from the, the, the comedy analog, it's, it's essentially an open mic event. You put your name in the hat. You're supposed to come with a, a story on on the theme for the evening. So mm. I thought I'm going to go and I'm going to at least try to put my name in the hat because that would be the ultimate way of learning. And if it doesn't get drawn, at the very least, I'll be able to observe from it um, otherwise. And and my name was called and uh, I, I told uh, a story. The theme was, was costumes. It was in October. Mm. And uh, I, I told one about my um, undying love of Star Trek, uh, which has ultimately manifested itself in me owning uh, several Starfleet uniforms uh, that, uh, again, my wife will refer to as costumes, but I, I call them uh, uniforms and how yeah. they're really symbols of, of connection and, and belonging for me. And how those events work is that they have sets of judges in the audience that rate you, kind of like when you watch the Olympics and the judges hold the the cards up, which is mm. kind of intimidating also. Mm. And uh, and then you get these three sets of scores, and then they uh, they have a winner at the end of the evening, and I was fortunate enough to, to be one. Now, at some point, I will get called back for a Grand Slam uh, to participate in. So so there's there's always... Always that next mountain to climb. And is the Grand Slam, do you have to tell the same story or something different? Uh, a new story on 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 a new theme. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I got roped into telling a story at a storytelling night uh, in 07, 08. I went to, uh, I was at South by Southwest uh, Interactive in Austin and uh, a group of, you know, blogging friends and I all, uh, attended this storytelling night. Um, and, uh, I was kind of pushed to sign up. And so I did and I, got, but I had no idea ahead of time of topics or anything. And I don't even remember if there were topics specifically. I don't think, I don't think so, but I got up on stage, uh, Baratunde Thurston, uh, uh if you know, Baratunde, he yeah, was hosting yeah. that night. And, uh, so I got up on stage and I, and I shared this story that I I've told over cocktails many times, but never like formally. Um, and, uh, it was called, I was chased by the LAPD and, wow. <laughs> uh, sadly not enough time right now to share that story. But, um, the end of the story, I, in, in a moment, and I think it's my my improv background of, of, of studying and performing improv, that I was able to do this callback, and it was really, like, I'd never said it before this way, but I did a callback at the very end that went right back to the beginning of something I mentioned during the story, and it killed the audience went nuts when I when I ended it on that note. Um, so, but there was no scoring, so I don't know, I don't know if I was a champion or not, I wish. Well, yeah, the the scoring is is kind of its own thing, and I was I was very thankful. Now, the downside of that glass is half empty. You you win one of these things your first time, then the next one you go to and you don't win it, and you're like, oh come on, 
Right. <laughs> uh, that said, I, I, I guess, uh, yeah. So it would, um, it's, it's, it was, it's fun either way. I don't know that I love the scoring aspect of it. That's not what I've, uh, yeah. what, what I've, uh, baked into, uh, into story lab here, uh, at the university, but I, I, I get the appeal. It makes it a, it makes it fun for the audience. Plus the, the audience judges. That's fun, a fun way to include them as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I, um, I did a story. I've done one other storytelling night here in Nashville um, with a group called 10X, or not to be confused with TEDx. Right. Um, And 10X is out of Belfast, Ireland, but they have a chapter in Nashville. So I did a story about travel that went over really well. And then uh, that's on my YouTube channel, but I'm doing, I'm doing another one actually very soon, which is a different version of this new presentation about uh, ADHD. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited and of course petrified. Uh, so <laughs> uh, as, as you are, as you do, um, you, you also do TEDx uh, speaker coach uh, or speaker coaching. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that because this is something um, and I feel like the, this presentation specifically that I mentioned is going to be my TEDx talk or even TED talk. Like this is, I'm really excited about it. And, and it's taken me, I've, I, as a spe- I, you know, I've, I've been a speaker for like well over a decade now or longer, of course. Um, and I've never done a TED or TEDx talk because I always felt like it has to be the thing. Like my intention is to do it once and to, and to nail it and, and not to do multiple TEDx's necessarily. Um, and and so in a way that's sort of, in a, in a sense, I've sort of procrastinated on doing it, but, but this ADHD revelation and sort of where my, my, my uh, head is at now with this, uh, has kind of landed me here. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the TEDx, uh, system and, and how that works and, and what advice you recommend for TEDx speakers as I scribble down everything you tell me. Well, uh, you know, it can, I, I definitely get the, uh, get, get the concern around that because it can certainly kind of be its its own thing there. Uh, I feel like my, my default answer whenever you ask me a question is what I realize now might be ultimately kind of a punt uh, mm-hmm. because I, <laughs> I'm always quick to recommend someone uh, else's book uh, instead, of, instead of anything I might say, but I'm a big fan of uh, Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo. Yes, yeah. Uh, great book, and he has a template in there that I've, I've taken and adapted, added some different things to it. I think he calls his a, a map. I call mine a, uh, a talk template. But basically, I think that especially when, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the great deceiving thing about these comfortable, confident, compelling TED Talks is that it can be easy to pull up that video, click it, and see that it, it or, and and think that wow that's just this person that just hopped up there and is so in touch with what they're going to say and is doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. These things are like beaten to death, mm-hmm. and on inside out, forwards, backwards, they've been mercilessly cut, and boiled down to to their to their best essence. And you know, the, there's the whole kind of loose eighteen minute rule. But you look at the length of most, and you know most are are shorter than that. So mm-hmm. I I think it's it's essential to figure out what your what your what your critical beats are, mm-hmm. and how you move from point A to point B, and that you have a mix of some different things. And if I can bring it back to story, mm-hmm. uh, the the moth talks about the different tools that we have in talking to others of getting from point A to point B, that there's summaries, scenes, and reflections. And when they talk about summaries, that's when you're getting real tactical. That's when I graduated here, then I moved there, then I did this, I moved to this house, so a lot of updates where you're not where you're moving things forward but not with a lot of detail. And then there's of course scenes which are aptly named because that's where we get cinematic with the story that we're telling and we go into details. We talk about the yard and the fr- smell of freshly cut grass and it was one of those perfect summer days the things that put your audience 
there. So those are very special moments, but mm. because of that, not every every moment, not every movement in your talk can be one of those scenes. And then, of course, there's the reflections, the big ideas, the because of this, I learned that. This is usually uh, your, your, your conclusion. Hmm. But making sure that you have a mix of those moments so that you're not, you know, to, to use an eye-rolling uh, music metaphor, so you're not playing with the same instruments all the time, so that you've right. got... Um, you know, some some different sounds within the talk that you're giving because you're conveying the information in different ways. Do you have any hacks? And that's very helpful, by the way. Do you have any hacks for the, you know, with a TEDx talk or a TED talk for that matter, you are kind of confined to the red uh, bath mat uh, <laughs> uh, that is a circular kind of bullet on the on the stage where you, you're not supposed to typically that my understanding is to is to get out of that circle, which makes, you know, staging a little a little trickier. Have you have you come across any any tricks of the trade there to? Well, that's I mean, I would say also that's another place where whenever you have any of these limitations, whether it's time, whether it's movement, it always bears need to plan things out more. Mm. And with movement, and I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, nothing against uh, startup pitches, but I think we've all seen uh, a lot of, you know, uh, Gary Vee-like speakers pacing the stage with the ferocity of a caged tiger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great. That works for, for, for him, but it, it's... For the most, for the most part, from the audience's perspective, that's somewhat nerve-wracking to watch. That's a lot of a lot of movement, and it takes you out of 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 the moment. So, you know, when talking about staging that movement, look for the moments when you can make those movements. We were talking about the different the different moments in your talk of something that's a summary. Mm. If a lot of things are happening, if I graduated, if I moved here, if I got this job and I was transferred to this office where I did X, Y, and Z, there's a lot of things happening. Mm. I don't know that you need movement to accentuate those, but maybe... If you want to, if if the real heart of your story is what happened when you got transferred to Singapore, maybe as you make that transfer, you move into it and give that a different section of the stage, or in this case, the red dot TED circle. Yeah, that's yeah, that's handy. That's that's great. Yeah, I wonder if I've never seen some. <laughs> you know how like often, often speakers who might not be as prepared or maybe quite nervous, uh, do a lot of pacing. And, yeah. and, and I wonder if, if any nervous Ted speaker has ever kind of walked the circle, <laughs> I that yeah, yeah. like a quiet contemplation, just gradually <laughs> getting dizzier and dizzier. Well, and usually the, the other thing too is uh, probably I would guess not because <laughs> uh, that's the other thing that, that the rest of the world uh, doesn't see is all of the work that goes into yeah. those those TED Talks as well. They yeah. are um, really run through the ringer in terms of coaching, rehearsals, um, lots of things as well, which is an, an important part of workshopping anything, giving feedback. That's actually one thing that I'm excited about when I do uh, get called up for the Moth Grand Slam mm. is that at that point, at that level, you get to work with one of their coaches as oh, well. Oh, nice. nice. And I, I think as someone that teaches this, I'm almost just as excited about that process as any sort of uh, performative aspect. Yeah, no, that's that's very cool. So in your book, Brand Now, How to Stand Out in a Crowded, Distracted World, um, you know, obviously a lot of what we've we've talked about today certainly applies to that. Um, are there other ways to to stand out in, in a distracted world? I mean, we are certainly uh, extremely distracted these days with with, you know, digital, social and, and all that jazz. What uh, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because brand now, I have what I call the seven brand now dynamics 
of meaning, structure, story, content, community, clarity, and experience. Mm. But it's it's funny because if there's, I mean, it was sort of a common denominator in my work before I knew it was a common denominator, and that that is. Uh, the idea of story. We are meaning-making machines. Mm -hmm. And the brand overlay with all of this is that you have to understand your brand story, communicate that story, because if you don't, the downside to us as a species being uh, meaning-making machines is your customer, your public, will tell a story if if you haven't supplied them with one. And if it's the wrong story, mm. then that's, that's a, a missed opportunity. So making sure you know how to structure that is, is critical as well. Yeah, one of my biggest challenges per personally through my my career, certainly through my entrepreneurial career, has been landing on my my personal brand story in the sense that, you know, because I've done so many different things now, you know, it's taken me a while to kind of see the light and kind of connect the dots under really around communication and performance and 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 this kind of work. Um but it, you know, for for others who are maybe solopreneurs or you know who work for themselves, do you have any tips in in focusing on on how best to communicate your brand and whether it should be your personal brand as your business or whether it should be your company brand? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, this is also a dance that I've uh, danced plenty, yeah. plenty of times. No, absolutely. I'm going to come back to that second point because it's a it's a, a a good one and a big one. Mm. Uh, but when it comes to best practices, I'd say beyond what we've been talking about with meaning, with mm -hmm. story, uh, I would say that the other thing to think about, and alluded to this a little bit before, and I'd say if there are common themes in in my work beyond those already mentioned, another one is that I'm I'm a pretty firm believer in, and that is that. Uh, you know, more isn't always better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes more is just more. And whether we're talking about personal communication and God, I got to pack this PowerPoint full of all the data right? so that people know how smart I am. You mentioned imposter syndrome earlier, and I think that that's a, a big part of that for, for a lot of us. But we do the same thing as brands. We've got to, you know, we're all, we, we love those, those quick, um, quick quips, things like you can't be everything to everyone or mm. you'll be no one to no one. Everyone nods along with that. But then we proceed to load up our website with too much information that nobody wants to scroll through. And we forget the kind of signal to noise challenge of making sure that we have simplified our message because we think, you know, we get into paragraphs and paragraphs of text about our brand and we forget the fact that the audience is under no obligation to read what we've unspooled before them. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure that we have simplified and clarified that message accordingly. So uh, I think a lot of times, okay, better branding equals more branding, more branded stuff, more messages, more, more, more. And, and, and one of the most important things, regardless of the quantity and, and volume levels of, of all of this, is simply clarifying what it is that you're saying and what you are providing the other party in the value equation with. Now, the other side of that is you talk about solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and uh, I believe you called it a dance, and it's it's tricky. Mm -hmm. um, you know, am I? You know, am I? Especially in in our type of work. I mean, increasingly. I am I am the brand, and I you know for a while I've been through many different forms of my business. I've had a bigger team. I've got less of a team now, and that's probably where I am as long as I have uh, the mix that I currently have. Hmm. And I've kind of got some leftover aspects of that, and you know a a a, a brand driven digital brand. But all of that is really increasingly. 
uh, around the brand of 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 Nick Westergaard. Yeah. So for me, it's sort of like you know I always use the the metaphor, the visual metaphor of dimmer switches, and I sort of feel like over the past few years I've been turning that brand driven digital dimmer switch down and turning the Nick Westergaard one up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so so that's that's kind of been my approach, which. Uh, again, I think is worth demystifying here. Uh, again, I've already used the um, uh, the the you know the cobbler's son has no shoes. <laughs> Physician, heal thyself. But I also yeah. think it's important uh, that this is messy. Sometimes we think, oh, there, there's probably a perfect plan for how to communicate this brand transition. And there's usually not. You just yeah. kind of have to to fumble through it and one of the biggest things and it kind of gets back to the coaching aspect that can play a role with brand building we talked about this with with TED Talks and storytelling but brand coaching is useful because it is powerful to have that second set of eyes the perspective that can say hey, I think you're the bigger deal than your business or vice versa. Or Mm. maybe, you know, I went through a stage, it's funny because it's somewhat circular. I started out uh, more solo, but then eventually built out more of a brand when uh, I I had more people delivering that work. And then you kind of have to do that because if they don't get the person whose name Mm. is, is on the shingle, they feel like they're being shunted off to the side. So you make... Uh, a bigger brand, uh, so I've I've really kind of been been through all of the the phases of this, but it's it's really just about kind of uh, knowing what's most important and when. Hmm. Who's someone that was especially nice to you in your career? Uh, interesting, because one of my earliest marketing jobs was at an educational publishing company. We made. Uh, workbooks and practice tests to help students with standardized tests. Mm. And what I, as glamorous as I know that sounds, uh, <laughs> what what was really exciting was when this was happening, it was, uh, I won't say, I mean, it wasn't before the internet, but it was before businesses were really using the internet for marketing in, I mean, it was, it was, it was on its way to being that, but I had a good couple of years where I was working for a publishing company in a direct mail first world. Hmm. And I I had so that's that was kind of my 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 kind of advanced work in in marketing direct response. Um, but I, I was really missing a, a mentor. Hmm. And then our company was acquired. And the person who would have been in the mentor-like role, who had some other challenges, uh, was 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 let go, and mm. they sent in a a consultant to kind of babysit us. And uh, it, it was he was someone that was either retired or on his way to being retired, had been a publishing exec, a marketing-focused uh, publishing exec, and and he. Um, was 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 so kind to me. Was explaining why we would do things and hmm. uh, and and what was important, but also just little things like uh, uh, taking uh, us out to lunch, uh, recommending uh, books, yeah. both uh, business books, but also you know I'm a big fan of history uh, history books too. Hmm. That's neat. That's that's really cool. That uh, uh, yeah. So he sort of took you under his wing in in a way. And that guy's name was Peter Bergen. Okay, so Peter Bergen. Just- <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh, let's move into the lightning round as we Whoa. wind this podcast down. Uh, complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish mostly first. Okay. What's a nice book <laughs> that you recommend to the nice makers? Could be anything: fiction, nonfiction. Uh, I would say, um, oh gosh, this is like my first thought, best thought, but I'm surrounded by books in my office, so I'm I'm, I'm uh-huh. fearing uh, getting infected. I love. We mentioned Brené Brown. Gifts of Imperfection has been an important book to me, and it is very nice. How is Nick nice to himself? 
Uh, Nick is nice to himself by talking about himself in the third person as, uh, <laughs> as, as frequently as he can. Uh, no, it is um, remembering, and I, you know, a lot of us got close to burning out in the pandemic, and uh, what was important to me was remembering to schedule relaxing time. And when you were stuck at home, not going anywhere, everything kind of looked the same. So I got to a point where I was adding, Hey, go watch, uh, watch some Star Trek episodes on, on, on Paramount plus go do a puzzle with the kids. So remembering the importance of, I mean, as cold as scheduling fun sounds, it, it, it's ultimately uh, a win-win. Yeah. Uh, If you had a billboard, what would it say? Well, I couldn't say Westergaard. That's that's too long. My wife's an elected <laughs> official, and I, I say she doesn't have my last name, and I'm, it said I'm I can't be the political half of the family. <laughs> um, I, I would, I, uh, you know, my billboard would say what I said earlier: more isn't always better. Sometimes more is just more. I love it. I love it, Nick. This has been such a pleasure. How can people get a hold of you? Learn more. Listen to your podcasts. Re- buy your books and all the good stuff. Well, this is hilarious because it connects back to what we said earlier about <laughs> clarifying your brand experience and what you promote. And over as I've been turning that dimmer switch up, everything about me that you would want to know, books, podcasts, articles, all of the above, is at nickwestergaard.com. And that's Westergaard with two A's. Excellent. I'm going to leave a a link to that and everything we talked about here in the show notes so folks can click away and uh, yeah, and learn more about you and say hello. Uh, This has been a pleasure, Nick. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights. Dave, it was nice. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show today. Would you do me a favor? Leave a review. The reviews help others discover the show and they mean a lot to me. So I would appreciate that. Did you know I am often hired as a keynote speaker for company retreats or for conferences? To find out more about that, you can visit davedelaneyspeaks.com. Music by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. We'll see you next time and be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.